Hello, everyone, and welcome to the June 6th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Let's get started with our litigation report. A new WCAB panel decision narrows the definition of medical treatment required by the Labor Code. In the split panel decision of James Bishop versus Schneidler Elevator Company, an award gave applicant a 77% permanent disability and need for further medical treatment back in 2006. A 2010 supplemental award provided Mr. Bishop with housekeeping assistance, a pool man once a week, gardener once a week, and a Weight Watchers program. The WCAB granted the employer's petition for reconsideration and affirmed the Weight Watchers program, but reversed the award for the other services, finding that applicant is not entitled to housekeeping services, pool services, and gardening services for medical treatment. The WCAB panel majority stated that it was not persuaded that housekeeping, gardening, and pool services fall under the definition of medical treatment subject to utilization review. While many things may directly or indirectly relieve or alleviate an injured worker's symptoms, such items cannot reasonably be labeled medical treatment pursuant to Labor Code Section 4600 or be subject to UR. Commissioner Acunio dissented from the opinion. He relied upon the case of Smyers versus WCAB, which acknowledged that medical treatment is a broad concept that may encompass housekeeping services. The Court of Appeal has ruled that an excessive adjuster workload does not violate public policy. Here's what happened in the unpublished opinion of Kendall Sapp versus Government Employees Insurance Company. Kendall Sapp was employed by GEICO as a supervisor of telephone claims representatives. Sapp was given handbooks and other documents that included language that her employment was at will. GEICO terminated her for what they claimed were deficiencies in performance. Sapp, in turn, asserted she was fired for complaining about her unit's excessive workload, which she alleged violated state requirements for fair claims processing. Sapp sued Geico and two of her supervisors for wrongful termination in violation of public policy, breach of contract not to terminate without good cause, defamation, failure to pay profit sharing, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. Geico moved for summary judgment and the court granted the motion. The Court of Appeal affirmed the dismissal of her claim in the unpublished opinion of Kendall Sapp versus Government Employees Insurance Company. The court noted that the insurance statutes and their derivative regulations do not mention staffing or workload requirements. Sapp has identified no statute or regulation that requires a particular level of staffing or a certain ratio between claims adjusters and claims. Thus, Sapp was not able to identify a specific law or statute that GEICO violated. A complaint for wrongful discharge must be based on the violation of a specific constitutional or statutory provision, which the facts of this case do not support. Vague allegations of regulatory violations cannot state a public policy claim. SAP's disagreement with GEICO's decisions on how to staff and assign claims was not the type of complaint that raised an issue of fundamental public policy. GEICO's internal staffing practices were not illegal, and SAP did not complain about any occurrence that violated any statutory or constitutional provision. 
With respect to her claim of emotional distress, the court held that such claims are preempted by the exclusivity provisions of workers' compensation, even if they result from allegedly wrongful termination, unless they are based upon a violation of a statute or fundamental public policy, which in this case they were not. The judgment in favor of GEICO was affirmed. And in legislative news, AB 378 was introduced by Assemblymember Solorio early this year to curb the proliferating abuse of compounding pharmaceutical medication. The bill was passed by the Assembly on May 31st in a bipartisan 72-2 vote and is now in the Senate where it is expected to have legislative support. The legislative findings included in the bill clearly specify the problem. Since the creation of the OMFS governing pharmaceuticals, there has been a growing practice by some prescribing physicians to utilize medications that are not covered by the fee schedule and to dispense these medications directly to workers' compensation patients and to bill employers and insurers at highly inflated rates. These practices unfairly enrich the physicians and cost employers and insurers millions of dollars and prevent these wasted dollars from being used to enhance benefits for injured workers. One of the ways that these physicians accomplished the goal of billing at inflated rates was by repackaging common medications from bulk supplies so that the packages did not have fee schedule codes and dispensing them in common amounts that prices far above fee schedules for the same products sold through pharmacies. This practice continued until the administrative director of the DWC adopted prohibiting regulations in 2007. Prior to the adoption of the physician dispensing regulations, compounded pharmaceutical medications, creams, copacs, and other medical foods constituted a small percentage of the overall cost of prescription meds. However, once the abusive repackaging practice was outlawed, the practice of physicians prescribing or dispensing compounded medications, creams, copacs, and medical foods expanded rapidly. AB 378 seeks to curb this practice by amendments to Labor Code 139.2 that would remove the financial incentives for prescribing these products. Once this bill becomes law, it will be unlawful for a physician to refer a person if he or she or members of his immediate family has a financial interest with the person or entity dispensing the drugs. The bill also specifies methods for calculating payment for these products and for the ultimate adoption of fee schedule language specifying limits to payment amounts. AB 378 has widespread industry support and is expected to become law. It is not specified as an urgency statute, thus, when passed, it will take effect next January. Florida Governor Rick Scott is expected to sign into law a measure designed to ensure that Florida workers who are injured while temporarily working in another state cannot pursue workers' compensation claims against their employer in those foreign states. The legislation was sought by Florida's professional sports franchises, led by the National Basketball Association's Orlando Magic, the National Hockey League's Tampa Bay Lightning, and the National Football League's Jacksonville Jaguars. Lobbyists for the team say the law is needed to close a loophole that allows their players to seek claims in other states. 
From the inception of the Jaguars in 1995 through 2009, the franchise has played only five of its 224 games in California. Yet, 95% of the team's workers' compensation claims have been in California, where workers' comp laws are more favorable for employees. Mike Weinstein, a Jacksonville Republican who sponsored the legislation, claims that Florida companies find themselves being dragged across the country by former employees who are shopping for the most favorable venue. Weinstein said the NFL's Miami Dolphins and Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Major League Baseball's Florida Marlins also lobbied for the legislation. But the law could face a swift court challenge from unions representing professional athletes that say lawmakers are attempting to take away rights from their members in Florida. The National Hockey League Players Association is currently reviewing their legal options. The Major League Baseball Players Association added that it is monitoring the law and assessing its potential effect on members of the Tampa Bay Rays and Miami, Florida's Marlins. The legislation awaiting Scott's signature says a Florida worker is considered temporarily in another state when in that state for no more than 10 days in a row or 25 days over a calendar year. It would apply only to workers temporarily in a state that has adopted a similar reciprocity law. About a dozen states have adopted such laws, including California, Ohio, Maryland, Utah, and the District of Columbia. The Illinois legislature sent Governor Pat Quinn an overhaul of the state's workers' compensation system that will tighten rules on employee claims and slash fees to doctors. Quinn's office has said he will sign it. This bill was one of the biggest floor votes of the year. Illinois workers' compensation system is designed to settle cases between employers and injured workers without court involvement under a state-run process that it collects from employers and pays the doctors and hospitals involved. The system has been plagued by skyrocketing costs and alleged fraud. The reform plan would save about a half billion dollars annually for employers mostly by slashing the fees that doctors and hospitals get to treat injured workers by 30 percent. The bill also will tighten the rules for workers who file claims for carpal tunnel syndrome after a flood of such cases were filed by workers at Menard Correctional Center. And the bill will address alleged doctor shopping by workers who are seeking payments. Opponents, mostly Republicans, slammed the measure for getting most of its cost savings at the expense of doctors rather than further limiting claims by workers. The measure passed 62 to 43. Passage came just 48 hours after the same measure narrowly failed in the House, which sparked two days of behind-the-scenes arm-twisting by proponents. And in financial news, Sedgwick Claims Management Services has acquired the assets of Cambridge Integrated Services Group, including the stock of Cambridge Gallagher Settlements and Insurance Services. The transaction includes the purchase of Cambridge's technology infrastructure that will enable continued delivery of services to Cambridge clients. Sedgwick CMS will extend employment offers to all of the talented employees of Cambridge, adding to the intellectual capital and sharing of best practices that will ultimately benefit both organizations. 
The addition of the Cambridge employees to the Sedgwick CMS family also means that existing service teams will remain in place without interruption and the clients of Cambridge will continue to work with the same trusted teams they work with today. The agreement signing and closing occurred simultaneously. Cambridge Integrated Services Group is a leading property and casualty claims and risk management service provider. Cambridge serves Fortune 500 self-insured employers, insurance carriers, and public entities in the U.S., Europe, and Australia. Claims services span workers' compensation, general, auto, professional, and product liability, property, and reinsurance. Crump Insurance Services has acquired the assets of self-funded alternatives. SFA is an insurance intermediary specializing in the development, placement, and maintenance of self-insured workers' compensation programs for individual and group risks in the public and private sectors. SFA is based in Langhorne, Pennsylvania and has associates in Las Vegas and Woodland Hills, California. SFA's business is highly complementary to the existing workers' compensation capabilities within Five Star Specialty Programs, a division of Crump Insurance Services. The combined solutions for workers' compensation available through SFA and Five Star create the ability to develop a customized plan to address the individual business needs of each account, including self-insurance products and existing programs. The president of Crump Insurance Services announced that the acquisition of SFA brings a team of dedicated professionals who are experts in assisting organizations on the most innovative, comprehensive, and cost-effective insurance options. Five Star works with licensed and insured retail property and casualty agents and brokers. Crump Insurance services include Crump wholesale brokerage locations across the U.S. and in Bermuda, Five Star specialty programs, Five Star professional programs, Target Insurance Services, and Hangley Insurance. And in other news, Workers' Compensation Insurance Rating Bureau President and CEO Robert Mike announced that he will retire this December. As he entered his fifth decade of service to the WCIRB, he advised the governing committee that 2011 was likely to be his last as CEO. During his tenure as president, the workers' compensation industry in California went through dramatic change, including the inauguration of California's first elected insurance commissioner in 1991, repeal of the minimum rate law in 1995, the workers' compensation crisis and resulting insurer insolvencies at the turn of the century, and unprecedented legislative and regulatory system reforms between 2002 and 2005. This period of change, coupled with the rapid evolution of technology, exerted significant pressure on the WCIRB to accelerate its business processes and adapt to the growing needs of system stakeholders. Mike's leadership has helped the WCIRB to maintain a central role in accurately measuring the cost of providing workers' compensation benefits and championing the development of new technologies to better serve its members in the years to come. The WCIRB is now looking for a replacement. A search committee was formed early this year and a national executive search firm has been retained. The governing committee hopes to name a successor early in the fourth quarter to allow for a smooth transition. 
Well, that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And please remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for some more news.